All right. Good morning. You doing all right? Go ahead and tell somebody, I'm ready to hear something good. I'm ready too, by the way. So uh, we've been on a series the last couple of weeks entitled Love Does. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And it's a true pleasure to have you here. For those of you that are joining us online, thanks for joining us. We are super excited to just share a message of hope, a message that brings true life. And so over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled Love Does. Love Does. And it's all about, guess what? Love. Yeah. Oh, man, you guys have been catching up online. That's awesome. Look, we all have our own understanding of what love is. If we could just think about that. We all have our own idea of what love is. And we draw that conclusion from many different, in many different ways. We draw it from prior relationships. Hey, we draw it from upbringing in our homes. We draw it from, uh, hey, some of you, you know, you go, God is love, and praise God, I'm glad you got that revelation. But then there's, there, there are some of us that we draw our conclusion of love from letdowns, from different circumstances in life. And I want to just start off by making the statement to you that none of those compares to who love is. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say what love is. See, love is more than a feeling. Love is more than emotion. Love is more than the goosebumps and, you know, the butterflies in your stomach and the uchi-guchi feelings that you get in cuckoo, I gotta love you. It's more than that. Love is a person we learned over the last several weeks. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8 puts it this way. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Hey, everybody can sign up for that one, right? Man, yeah, more love in this world. But listen how. It says, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God is love. See, we can easily conclude this, that where love is, where an understanding of God's love is, God is. Think about this. The scriptures tell us that God is love. And many times what we seek is a feeling. We seek some sort of response from people. And what we miss along the way is God. God who is love. And so where love is, God is. And here's the thing. This love that has the power to change to transcend all understanding. This love that has the power to heal, this love that has the power to unite that which was once broken and disjointed, this love where God is, it works only where God is. So you see, where God is, love works. I'll tell you why that's important, because if we're seeking love in all the wrong places, if we're seeking our our, our understanding and an experience of love in people or things, then what we have to realize is that it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It always disappoints. Your husband will disappoint you. Your children will disappoint you. Your BFF will disappoint you. The people that follow you on social media will disappoint you. Because we're people. But God's love works. We also learned that love is a choice. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting at verse 4, says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Love does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Hey, here's a good exercise for all of us to endeavor upon at this moment. As we're listening to what the scriptures tell us love is and what love does, we should probably start looking at it as a mirror. And there's no condemnation in that, but gauge for yourself, is this the experience that I have with love? Is this the love that's at work in my life and through my life towards others? And if it isn't, don't beat yourself up, but recognize it's time to turn around. It's time to explore love in a different capacity. It's time to find out who God is in your life. And so it says it in verse 5, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Verse 6, love does not delight in, the ev in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And verse, the beginning of verse 8 is the kicker. It says, love never fails. Love never fails. Now I want you to think about the description that God gives us when he describes his love. He doesn't describe an emotion. He describes a choice. See, it takes patience. It takes a choice to be patient. It takes a choice to be kind in the face of evil. It takes a choice to hold no record of wrong when you're being wrong. You've been wrong and this person will fail you again. It takes a choice to not hold it against that person. It takes a choice to forgive. It takes a choice not to be angered. It takes a choice not to hold on to resentment. It's a choice. And when we make this choice, what the scriptures say is that that love, that love never fails. That love never fails. We also learn that love makes a way. That it opens up a path where there is none. Where we see none. Where we hurt and we feel like we can never heal. Where we, where we see a barrier and God is trying to show us an open door. I like the way Romans 5.8 puts it. It says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. We should pause right there and consider something. We're about to see love in action. We're about to see what love does. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love sees us at the very worst, but believes the very best about us. Where we see no bridge, where we see no opportunity, God says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You're lovable. You can heal. You can see something different in life. And so today I'd like to talk to you on the topic of love. And I want to talk to you specifically about an upside down kind of love. An upside down love. Look, if we look at love the way God intends it to be, it doesn't make sense. Think about this. Love someone who doesn't love me back? That's kind of hard for me to do. You mean love someone who actually has the worst of intentions for me? Love that person? Yeah, that's not how it works in this world. That's not the love that we've been taught. It doesn't make sense. It completely contradicts what we know love to be in this world. It's so controversial that when Jesus came onto this earth, and by the way, that's historically proven that he walked on this earth, whether you believe in him or not. Whether you believe that he was the son of God or not, there is no discrediting 
the historical facts that we have annotated throughout history of the miracles he performed, of the change that he brought, of the message that he conveyed to this world. And when Jesus came, he preached a message of hope. He exemplified, he modeled love. And this love was so controversial, so contrary to what we know love to be in this world that they crucified him for it. They crucified him for it. See, love in this world, if we're honest with ourselves, in the estimation of what we've experienced with love in the past and maybe the love we've given and the love that we see at work in the lives of others, love in this world is selfish. It's about me. It's about what I get. But as a matter of fact, the thing about it is this. It's not love at all. True love doesn't exalt itself. It isn't about what I get. Instead, it humbles itself and it's about what I can give, what I can do. True love doesn't seek to be served, but instead it seeks the opportunity to serve. And so, to some, God's love is not love at all. That's not love. That's impossible. It's considered irrational. It's considered unthinkable. It's considered even stupid. But let's consider this along the lines of what this world understands and what we've been taught love is outside of God. When was the last time that selfishness ever produced peace? Think about that. When has a love focused on what it receives instead of what it gives when has that kind of love ever strengthened or built a marriage? And when has a focus on me instead of we ever healed hurting people? See, that kind of love does not work. If your experience with love has been about what I get, and as a result of what I get, I can then give you love. It's not love at all. That's a business transaction. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. See, God's kind of love turns our understanding of love upside down. Oh, really, what I should say is it turns it right side up. Yeah, yeah. It shows us another way. And so I want to talk to you for the next couple of moments that I have about a call to love, this call to love, how we love. And I want us to look at an example directly from the life of Jesus. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to John 15. Verses 12 and 13. This is Jesus speaking. And watch what he says in verse 12. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. He says, greater love has no one than this. Say this with me. Greater love has no one than this. Greater love has no one than this. He says, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, you know what I think about when I read this? I think about that word great. When you think about the word great, what do you think about? Jesus. You think about being at the top. If you're a businessman, you know what great equates to? Someone who's at the top of their game. They lead the pack in the field of expertise that they have. They're trendsetters. They're changing the trajectory of how this all plays out. And people are following them. And people are seeking them. If you think about someone who excels in, 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 in sports, you think about the person who has the most wins, who has the track history that says, man, these people, man, they are the best. They're the, the best of the best. That's the team that we want to be like. 
You think about someone who does, I don't know, mountaineering, who climbs huge mountains for sport, and they're great. These are people not only that have reached the highest pinnacles in the world, but they do it in record time. And I want you to think about what Jesus defines great as. Let me read it to you again, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. According to Jesus, the highest pinnacle of love is reached at the lowest place imaginable. <laughs> Living for the benefit and service of another. Huh. Man, I don't know about you, but when I think about going up, I never think about going down first. See, the way up in the kingdom, the way up in how God relates to the world is not up, it's down. I'll show you that from scripture in a second. See, love leads us to lay our lives down. To lay our lives down. To prefer others. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. It says, don't just pretend to love others. You know what we're talking about there, right? Oh, my God, I'm so happy to see you, Juana. Dame un besito, mami. I love you so much. Liar. Lies. Oh, my God, it's so funny that I see you today in church. I've been thinking about you all week. I've been meaning to be praying for you. Lies. Come on now. Look, I'm not judging anybody, but we talk about we love chocolate. I love my car. I love my clothes. I love my income. We use love so flippantly. It's so blasé these days. And the truth is this. The scriptures tell us, man, don't just pretend to love others. Watch what it says. Love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. God uses strong words when he talks to us about love. He says, hate what is wrong. And when we think about what's wrong, we think about what we see in others. But how about this? How about hating resentment? How about hating unforgiveness? How about hating the hurt that we hold on to? How about hating the anger that eats up at our heart? that consumes our thoughts, that causes us to lose sleep? How about hating what is actually wrong? Instead of looking at the wrong in people, how about hating what's wrong about how we think we're supposed to love? In verse 10, now I get it. Man, but that, that, that's God, man. That, that, that's impossible. How, how do you even do that? Verse 10 tells us how. He says, love each other with genuine affection. Somebody... I just heard somebody ask this question. I don't know who shouted it out. Maybe you heard it too. Somebody said, how do you love genuinely? I'm glad you asked that. Because the scriptures show us how. He says, love each other with genuine affection. He says, take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. You know that word, those words, take delight, what they describe is, in the Greek, they describe taking the lead. Taking the lead. Can I have a volunteer? I need a volunteer, anyone? Your hand came up first, sir. Can you come on up here? I want to ask you a question. Now, mind you, the scripture tells us that we are to 
the lead, take delight in honoring one another. That, that word honor there in the original language speaks of esteeming something, understanding the great value that it has, and treating it such because of its value. So, Anthony, right? Thank you, Anthony. Everybody say, hi, Anthony. Now, Anthony, before we do anything, I need you to say this with me. I need you to say to me, Pastor, I love you. Pastor, I love you. Remember you said that. Okay, don't forget that. Remember you said that. What's the most valuable thing that you have with you today? My phone. Your phone. Why is it valuable to you? You do everything on your phone. How much did that phone cost you? Like about 150. Do you have it with you? May I see it? Hey, man, thanks, man. Appreciate that. We're going to use this as a a visual example here. And so I want you to think about value. And, and you know, it's interesting. It's interesting that you bring up your phone because we live in a world where we give up relationships for what we do on phones. All right? So, Anthony says his life revolves around this phone. So if I were to do this, Keep saying that, brother. He says, I love you, Pastor. Now, you know a little water on the phone, it's not, it's not going to hurt it, right? But, but I want you to think about value, right? We're talking about taking the lead in honoring his value. Of a person. Now, let me just say something. Because each and every one of you are saying, I will never come to this church again. That pastor is crazy. This was prearranged, and this is not Anthony's phone. Thank you, Anthony. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. But I want you to sit there for a moment with that, that feeling that you just had. I want you to consider your reaction to that crazy pastor who just destroyed Anthony's phone, which is not his phone. And I want you to consider how we all understand value. For many of us, something as simple as this phone is very important. We'll turn back around and go back 20 miles to go get it. But think about this. The scripture says this to us. In verse 10, it says, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight, take the lead in upholding that value for each other. Every one of us understands value and understands esteem value. You wouldn't take your phone and throw it in water just because. You wouldn't take a hammer and just destroy your phone just because. And yet the scriptures declare this. He was bruised for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Listen to what love does. Love sees the value beyond the circumstance. Love sees the value beyond the offense. And it says, I believe the best in you, I see the best in you, and I will lift you up even when everybody says they've let you down one too many times. Let them go. That's what love does. 
That's what love does. And so, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says this. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being, watch this, like-minded. Having the same love, being, in one, being one in spirit and of one mind. What love is he talking about? What love is he saying that we're supposed to have? The same, this like-mindedness. Listen closely. Verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, don't do it for you. Don't do it. Don't make it about you. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, we're not called to love one another from a place of feeling or emotion or even our experiences with each other and others. Instead, we see that genuine love comes from a mindset that is equivalent to the one that Jesus has. Let me put it to you this way. You might say, yeah, well, that's Jesus. No, what the scripture is revealing is that you and I can think and act and believe and have the same orientation of heart when it comes to love. We can do that. We can do that. See, you can love like Christ because you are loved by Christ. You can love with that kind of love. You can see transformation in your home, in your relationships. By the way, newsflash, don't miss next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about love and specifically relationship goals. And, and, and some of you are going, ooh, yes, I want that. Yes. Listen, we're talking about all relationships. But I guarantee you, you will never see love the same in the midst of relationships after next week. Bring someone with you. We are, how many of us know that everybody needs some love? But everybody needs to understand God's love, the right love. So don't miss next week. Anyway, at face value, this sounds impossible to love this way. But we have to consider what the scripture tells us. What was on Jesus' mind when it came to expressing the full extent of his love? What is it that was on his mind? Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Talking about an upside down love. Starting at verse 1 in John 13, it says, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Listen closely. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simeon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless, unless I wash you, 
you have no part with me. Verse 9, then the Lord, then Lord Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so let's, let's, let's dig into this. What exactly is going on here? This account in Scripture is a crucial turning point in the lives of the disciples. See, this is what's commonly referred to as the Last Supper. The Last Supper. This is the last and final meal that Jesus is about to share with his disciples. And what we see from the jump in verse 1, if we can put that up, is this, that Jesus had an intention this last time. This one last time. It tells us that he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. So Jesus has an agenda. I want to show you how great my love truly is. And lest we miss this, this wasn't just for their benefit. God fit to record this for the entire world's benefit. And so here we see Jesus at this point. And up until this point, look, the disciples, they'd witnessed Jesus turn the lives of people around. By this message of hope and this, his life example of love, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He delivered the demonically oppressed. He fed the hungry. He touched the untouchable. He went places that no one else would. He crossed religious boundaries that no one else dared to. He turned the religious world upside down, and he did it all with love. And as he approaches the end of his physical life with us here on earth, he takes an opportunity to push the envelope on what we understand love to be by washing his disciples. Now, for us today, that doesn't mean much. After all, you know, I washed my feet before I came here. I've got clean socks on. This is no big deal, but you got to understand what's actually happening here. See, back in these days, it wasn't like it is today where they ha we have Subarus and we have cars and we take trains and we have planes and we put on shoes that actually have a sole and they're enclosed so no dirt comes into it. We didn't have the travel means that we have today. Back then when they traveled, it was primarily by foot or by animals. And animals in those days were a frequent tool to use to travel. The thing about it with these animals was that they went, they also left some stuff along the way. Get my point? We'll just call them droppings, right? There were no sewer systems back in this day. So listen, to walk amongst that muck was common. And when you were invited to be a guest, that if you had the means, then you had a slave who would wash your feet. If you didn't have the means, you would provide the means for people's feet to be washed. And what we see here is this. 
that Jesus, with an agenda to demonstrate to us all the full extent of his love is what the scripture tells us. Watch how he does it. He assumes the role of a slave. The role of a slave. He wasn't just washing the dirtiest part of them. He wasn't just washing their feet. Jesus was literally declaring to the world, I will go to the dirtiest, darkest, most untouchable crevices, and I will meet you there. And I will cleanse you there. And I will change those circumstances around. So, so great was his love, watch this, that Jesus didn't just wash the feet of those who loved him. Judas was there. And he washed his feet too. Man. I want you to consider the words of Jesus in Luke 22, verse 26. We're talking about what love does. We're talking about an upside-down kind of love, a love that's completely contrary to what we understand love to be. Luke 22, verse 26 says, But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules, watch this, like the one who serves. You know what we see from the words of Jesus? There is no greater exercise for our hearts than lowering ourselves so we can lift people up. You know what we can do day by day? Come on. That, that, that's worth celebrating. Now, I get it. That's not comfortable. I get it. That's not comfortable. But great love, God's love, the love that you and I are capable of, happens in the most unlikely places. It goes to the most unlikely places. Think about this. This is God himself in the form of a man. God. God himself, creator of all the universe. And where do we find him? Do we find him on a throne? I get it. The scripture says he is high and lifted up. But when God decided that he was going to make a way for all mankind and express the full extent of his love, he became like us, he endured the life that we endured, and he did not sin, is what the scripture says, and he suffered the death that was our penalty to pay. Listen closely. When God decided to express the full extent of his love one last time before his crucifixion, he did it at your feet and mine. That's true love. Amen. Amen. In verses 3 and 4, what we see is that the disciples were pretty shocked by what Jesus was doing. But to Jesus, this wasn't just about doing something good. Listen, to Jesus, this was normal. Where do you get that from, Pastor? Show me that in Scripture. Matthew 20, 28. Again, the words of Jesus, not my opinion. 
Jesus' words. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, watch this, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The scripture declares that it pleased the Father to crush him for our transgressions. See, the call to follow Christ, it leads us to great places, to pinnacles. Nothing wrong with that. But the pathway there is by way of service, love, and sacrifice. That's love. You know, I think one of the reasons why this becomes so hard for us, and I say us because I include me, and maybe you're not there. Praise God, I'm glad you're not there. I can tell you this, I don't always love that way. You can ask my wife, she'll tell you. And don't let the pastor title fool you. I dropped the ball too. But check this out. I think that the reason why we struggle with loving this way is because somewhere along the line, we get pride involved in the, in the mix there. It's like, I can't forgive that person. You've said it over and over again that you would change that. I can't, no, I, I, just, I just can't do that. I know what the Bible says, but, you know, Peter did say, you know, Jesus did, did, did tell, uh, Jesus did tell Peter that we're to forgive 70 times 7. I've forgiven you way more than 490 times. So I can't forgive you for this one. And I think that that speaks to our own insecurities. But watch in verse 3, if we could put that up, where Jesus' mind was. Mind you, this is God at the feet of men. This is God washing the feet of the very one that would stab him in the back. The one that showed up there with a smile and said, Jesus, I love you. Oh, great rabbi. And Jesus is at his feet washing them. And as he's washing them, here's what he's saying. Judas, I know what you're about to do and I know what's in your heart. But man, I love you more than that. This is the same Jesus that hung on the cross while people spit on him, cursed him. The very people that followed him are now saying, come on, Jesus, show us your God. If you're really the son of God, why don't you come down from that cross and prove it to us? That same Jesus is the one that said, Father, he saw past the offense and he said, Father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. They don't know the truth. They don't understand my love, our love for them. Now watch verse 3. It says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That he had come from God and he was returning to God. Now watch this. Jesus knew the Father. He knew he came from the Father. And he knew he was returning to the Father. You know what that tells us? He was secure in God. He was secure in his identity. And he was certainly secure in his destiny. Listen, when you love and you get pride out the way and it's genuine love, we're not pretending anymore. We're not going, ay bendito, Dios te bendiga, mija. When we're not doing that anymore, right? When we're not going, oh, God bless you, brother. The Lord, the Lord bless you. When we get past all that fake stuff and we get real and we love genuinely 
and we lay our lives down genuinely, you know what's lacking in the midst of that when we genuinely love? Insecurity. Insecurity. See, Jesus was completely secure where he came from, who he was, the Father's love for him, and what he was called to. And so for him, it was nothing to assume the role of a slave. That's love at work, ladies and gentlemen. We can learn something from that. Well, that went over a little bit harder than I thought. Let's move right along. <laughs> In verse 15, here's what we see. Jesus is at the feet of Peter, and Peter goes, Ha! Ha, ha, ha! Not I, Lord! No, you can't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. And Jesus says to him, I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Peter's saying, there's no way you're going to do that. And Jesus is responding, I'm the only way, the truth, and the life. This is the only way that this works, Jesus, uh, uh, Peter. You're missing the point here. You know what we learn from Jesus? It's that love isn't optional. It's a command. It's a command. This is true love, ladies and gentlemen. This is true love. It's a choice. It's getting past emotion, getting past what I get, getting past me, 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 and start living for we, we, we. All of us, the entire world. And as we close out here, I want to leave you with one last point. It's that love makes room for everyone. That can't be right. You don't understand how many times my mother let me down. You don't understand how much the words hurt. Yeah, 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 I know sticks and stones, they break bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. You don't understand how I'm hurting. You don't understand that for me, love was a smile with a hand coming behind it. How many times people that have told me they love me have let me down? There's a guy that comes to our church. I won't share any names, but I remember when he first walked in here. I said, man, God bless you. I'm so glad you're here, man. How can we help you? He says, don't say that to me. I said, I'm sorry. But I'm, what did I miss here? And he goes, you don't understand how many people have told me that they would help me and they didn't. And week after week, he comes. And man, this guy would walk in here and it was like, Rawr! he was like the... Tasmanian devil. And you know what we do every week? Hey, man, how you doing, man? I'm so glad you're here. Where he would say, don't touch me. Don't put your hand on me. Now he'll give you a hug. Still a work in progress. All of us are. But slowly but surely, he's opening up and he's sharing his story. You know, you got to get past all that muck because sometimes that man, and that person, that, and this bomb and that bomb and, you, and some people go oh, oh my god he's cursing in church Jesus was right there with the one that would stab him in the back and he Amen. loved him anyway Amen. 
The scriptures declare this. Paul says this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. To the Gentile, watch this, the unbeliever, I became like a Gentile, like an unbeliever. Whether slave or free, all that other stuff he talks, and he says, I become all things. Not that he compromised. He says, I become all things to all people that I might win some. Time to get past this hang-up of what we think love is, man. It's time to stop pretending and be real. It's time to love with a love that makes room for everyone. I mean, as I previously said, Jesus washes the feet of all disciples, and that included Jesus. That included Judas. You know, here at Church of the Bridge, we're big on service. Service in and throughout our communities. This isn't just about Newburgh. We encourage people, wherever you are, that's your community. When you're on the train going to work at 4.30 in the morning, have my coffee. That's a mission field. That's where you go. When your coworkers are dropping F-bombs and treating you like, like garbage or rejecting you for what you believe or making fun of you, that's where you love the most. And so we're big on in and through our communities. We believe that we're not just called to come to church, but that we are actually what the word says. We are the church. And so we bring church wherever we go. We bring church in broken homes. We bring church in broken communities. We bring church to the people that hate us. We bring church to the people who've hurt us and the people we've hurt. We bring the church wherever we go. And so I'm confident of this. I'm confident that no one here that's been here for a while, and hey, if this is your first time and God's calling you here, welcome home. We do what the word says. We don't preach our own agenda. I'm not giving you my opinion. We stick to the word. God's word is sufficient to speak into our lives. But I'm confident that for those of you that have been here for a while, you wouldn't find it out if I said, man, we're going to take on this new endeavor. And I don't know, for example, uh, we're going to start a program that serves women that are battered and we're going to give them the gospel and work with their kids. We're going to feed them. And I guarantee you that a bunch of you would go, yeah, pastor, I'm down for that. Where do I sign up? But what if after telling you that, I then read you the fine print and I tell you, these are people, these people that we're setting up to serve, they hate us. They hate us. As a matter of fact, there's a plot that's been uncovered that they want to kill us. These people have no good intention. It's all ill will towards us. I wonder how willing we'd be if we knew that the people we were setting out had that heart towards us. You know what the truth is? Chances are not many, I don't know if any, would sign up for that opportunity. Do you know what love does? You know what love does? You know what Jesus did? That's where I'm going. That's who I'm serving. That's whose feet I'm washing. That's the lives that I want to transform. One person at a time, one moment at a time. So instead of running from all that opposes what we believe and what we know to be true, 
Man, we should run towards them with love. Genuine love. Real love. Verse 17 in John 13 summarizes how God's love turns our world upside down. Watch what it says. It says, now that you know these things, now that you understand my love is what he's saying. Now that you understand this, he says, you will be blessed if you do them. Listen closely. The scriptures declare that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You know the greatest blessing? God already loves you. He's already convinced about you. But watch how you bring that blessing to the surface. Watch how it manifests in and through our lives. Doesn't mean that you're working to be blessed by God. No, you're already blessed. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you're experiencing it or not, you're already blessed. But watch how that comes to the surface. If you do what Jesus says, do. Love. It's an upside down kind of love, I know. It's not easy. Let's stand here today. But let me tell you, it's worth it. That word blessed there, it speaks of a supreme state of happiness. It's not an emotion, it's past emotion. It's a lifestyle. It's one where you're well off, where you're going forward. It's one where your fortune changes, where your life is transformed. It's a love that completely turns life around for you. And life for others, for people. God's love. With every head bowed, eyes closed, I want you to take a moment. Just get personal with God. Up close and personal. Be real. Man, and if you're in this area, just know this, there's no condemnation. God's not mad at you. God's not disappointed at you. God loves you still. More than you'll ever know. You are worth more than the, than the worth you put on your own life. You matter. To this is embracing this love. You know, in John 15, Jesus says this. He says, remain in me. He says, abide in me. As I abide in the Father and the Father abides in me. And then if you go down a couple of verses further down, Jesus says this, remain in my love. He doesn't say remain in church. Remain in your good behavior. He says stick with my love. Because when you stay there, you'll bear much fruit. When you stay there, you'll see true change. Hey, it's about time. God's love rock our world. Turn our lives around. Transform communities. Demon broken in the hurting. That love, God's love. Maybe just maybe there's someone here, man. Look, I don't know your story. I don't know where you're at. I'm not judging you, but I will tell you this. Every one of us has our own understanding of love, and it's possible that maybe there's someone here today and you've never thought about love this way. That hasn't been your experience. But today you go, man really is true love. It's God's love. 
And that's the experience that I want going forward. If that's where you are, man, if you want to forgive, if you want to let go, if you want to embrace joy and peace, if you want to turn the corner on life and see God blessed and see this blessing at work in your life, listen, just make this choice. It's not what you do for God. It's accepting the choice that he made for you first. I loved you while you were still yet a sinner. And I died for you. I paid the price that was yours to pay and took it as my own. If you believe that, then you say, man, that's, that's what I want. I want that deep and personal relationship with God. Or maybe you've just walked away. Think, you, you think you've walked away from God. You think that somehow you lost your relationship with God. What you haven't realized is that he's always been with you. He's been walking alongside you. And today you say, man, I just got to get back to this place. Pray with us. It's a simple prayer. Congregation, let's pray this together with them. Say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I, believe. I, believe I believe you love me. I believe you're the Son of God. I you're the Son of God. And I believe you died and rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. And you've given me new life. Today I declare you're my Lord. My Savior and my God. And from this day forward, I'm following after you. Hey, if you prayed for the very first time, we're celebrating what God is doing in your life today. Don't leave here believing that you are less than God's best. Don't leave here without telling us about the decision you've made. We want to walk alongside you. We want to share in this journey with you. We want you to see all that God has for you. Now, Father, today we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for expanding our understanding. Thank you for enlarging the territory of our hearts. Today we believe in your love. We receive and we look forward to your very best. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.